Welcome to the Basketpedia podcast. Brought to you by System Basketball. On this episode, we have Kyle Brown from St. Mary's College. We will discuss his view of the system, his in the Gaps website and newsletter, Division Three basketball and more. So stay tuned. Hey everybody, this is Coach Hart with the Basketpedia Podcast. Today I have Coach Kyle Brown of St. Mary's College, a D3 school. How you doing, Coach? How's everything going? Doing good. Really excited to be on and talk some basketball. All right. So you're a, you're a college coach. Um, if there's any guys that are going to be listening to this tonight, what advice would you give them about this profession and how, how to go about getting into it? Yeah, I think uh, this is one of those professions that you got to kind of be all in to be really good at it. Like you can't jump in and, and just kind of be half in half out. Like you got to understand the process of going through like being a younger guy, not getting paid very much. Like, you know, you got to just make sure you're all in with that stuff because you know, we talk about it with our guys a lot, you know, in the drilling set, you know, in practice, like there's a lot of parts of it that aren't fun, you know, like there's stuff that's really hard in coaching, but like, it's the fun stuff you get to do, like coaching in games, being in practice, being around your guys that makes all that hard stuff really fun and it makes it worth it. And that's, you just got to get through that stuff. That's not as fun and understand it. And then you got to have a lot of support too. You know, like I've been really lucky because my, my family's probably, uh, been the biggest reason why I've been able to kind of stay in it with my parents and my brother, like they support me so much. And there's days, I mean, there's a lot of days where I'll just, you know, like I'll be struggling and they'll just be like, you're so good. Just keep going. Just you're working hard. You're doing everything right. And they don't understand necessarily coaching like coaches do, but just to know that you have support and people behind you, I think is the biggest factor in, in having success. Well, where do you want to go with it? Do you have aspirations to become a head coach at a, D1, D2, D3, what, 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 are your, what are your career aspirations with this, Coach? Yeah, I, I think ever since I've been at the college level, like this is uh, – it's, it's been a while here, and this is like my fifth year at St. Mary's, and, you know, I, I've been doing it since I've been 17, 18 years old. So I always wanted to be a college head coach. Um, there's still kind of a little bit of an itch for that, being able to run your own program. Um, one of the things that's really kind of grabbed me the last couple of years is the pro game you know, being able to, you know, work in the NBA, work with the best players around the best coaches. That's something that's really intriguing to me. Like I just, you know, I kind of, I get uh, people make fun of me a little bit because I, I'm watching NBA all the time and that stuff, but I just, I love the way the pro game is played and European game. And I think that's, that's a level I would love to at least try at some point in my career. That's awesome. Uh, what's one thing you wish you knew that you know now when you started your career with this, that you, that you could go back and say, Oh, geez. Yeah. Um, I think from a personal standpoint, one of the things I kind of wish is I wish when I was younger, I would have put more time into like the, I call it the softer skills, you know, like the being around, like being able to be a leader, like talking with your players, understanding that like the psychology part of it. I wish I would have kind of put more time into that instead of like the X's and O's part. Not that I didn't, I didn't completely neglect it, but I still think like if I would have done that, like I, I wish I would have could have got like a master's or something in psychology. Um, I just think that with the way kids are going and trending and I think you can do so many good things with that type of stuff. And 
like that's one of the biggest things like I always think about I just wish I could have done a little bit more when I was younger yeah so d3 level it's a unique level um you don't have full athletic scholarships um pretty much kids that are playing at that level are kids that are it's, it's good basketball I'm, I'm not gonna knock it it's great basketball um everybody's usually a all league mvp all all league or all county all state whatever um they're just not athletically gifted enough to play at a higher level um it's very focused on academics so can you talk a little bit about the challenges of being a d3 coach with recruiting when when you don't have here's the money like yeah no to build I your mean, squad i mean yeah no it's it's a hundred percent like it's it's a very the recruiting process at our level is very tough um and i think the more and more you look at it, like these kids want a D1 experience recruiting wise. Like that's why you see all the edits. That's why you see, you know, them announcing visits. So I think that's something, you know, D3 coaches have started throwing out offers, you know, because it's everything we're trying to do is trying to get these kids to come here to our schools. And a lot of our schools, like you gotta, you gotta basically in this times that we're in with everything, you gotta try to convince them that paying 10, 20, 30, $40,000 a year to come to your school and play basketball is worth it. And like, that's, that's a hurdle we jump through with 99% of kids. And we tell them, like, we tell our guys, we were, you know, we're one of the best division three leagues in the country where I'm at. And, you know, we tell these guys, like, look, if you're really good and you really put in your time and work and develop, like you can do whatever you want. Like maybe not go to the NBA, but like, you know, you can play after college. Like you can get your job. Like we have a couple seniors this year. Like one's going to probably try and go play professionally somewhere. He's good enough. He's all American type player. And then another one of our guys is going to go and, and either go to graduate school for engineering or he's going to be able to go, uh, you know, just find a job because he's a 4.0 and he's had unbelievable internships. And you just got to really carve out that experience and show him why, like, investing in St. Mary's, you know, having to pay anywhere from five, ten, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, why that's worth it for them. But it's hard. I mean, these kids are coming and they're playing and they're for the love of the game. Like, it's such a pure level. And they're here for the academic, but they're here for the basketball piece and once you get in the season, like it doesn't change. Like the stuff we do in season isn't any different than Duke. Like I always kind of say like, make it your Duke. Like this is my Duke right now because it's where I'm at. And for our guys, it's like, Hey, like we might not take private planes everywhere. We might not have five, you know, five-star meals on the road. You know, we got to enjoy when we go to Chick-fil-A after a win, you know, like we got to enjoy the little things and just kind of like, this is our experience. And it's been a, it's, it's a really fun level to coach. Like you said, just because I think the guys really are invested in just the, what it all means and like the, the holistic, like everyone, like part of the, you know, academics, athletics, social life, all coming together. Yeah. I grew, I mean, I grew up in city of Laverne in California. Yep. Um, right in my area, I have a D three school, university of Laverne, uh, who plays in the Skyac conference. So um, for guys that haven't heard of the Skyac conference, there's just that one coach that um, coaches for the Spurs, uh, Popovich. Um, yeah, he's not any good. Um, um, he came from that conference. So Pomona Pitzer area, uh, Claremont Colleges, um, you got Redlands, you got, so very good D3 conference out here. Um, to back up any things, I always try to take some of my better basketball players each year to a JC game, a D3 game, a D2 game, an NAIA game if we can, mm -hmm. and a D1 game. And my question always to them is, 
Can you guard anybody out there? Yeah. Then you can't play at that level. Right? Yeah. Yeah. We, so, we have kids, we have kids come for visits all the time or that won't come for visits because they think they're too good. And it's like, just come and play pickup with our guys. And if you still think it, then we'll stop recruiting you. And they come, they'll come back and they'll be like, Oh, you guys are really good. It's like, yeah, like these kids can play. Like, it's so funny how they, how they look at it though. So um, coaching profession, who are some of the coaches that you look up to and admire that have maybe helped mold your philosophy the way you like to teach the game? Yeah. Um, I would say like from knowing personally, there's a couple of guys. Um, my high school coach was a big influence, Steve Brezowitz. Uh, as if anyone knows me, like I'm not six foot, I'm five foot nine. I'm not very athletic. I just love basketball and I've loved it for a long time. And when I was going to be a junior in high school, I made the varsity, like we were a division one school in Wisconsin. So biggest, uh, biggest class size. And you know, I made the team and part of my thing with him was he just brought me in and we would watch film together, you know, so like we'd be like preparing and he had a huge impact on me from an early, early, early part of my coaching career. Um, he let me coach like the freshmen and sophomores over the summer while I was still in high school. Uh, just a huge part of that, just kind of getting me in. And then in college, I was lucky. I was a student assistant at UW Parkside. I worked for a guy named Luke Regal and it was a great experience because as a division two student assistant, we had one full-time assistant. We had another student assistant that was two years older than me, who's now a division one assistant up in Portland. Um, so we had, we had four guys on our staff basically that, and so I was like literally thrown in the fire with just doing work and recruiting and helping with his scouting reports. And he was so good because one, he was so smart and like, like he's probably the one of the best offensive minds I've met, you know, I've ever like been around. He was just, he was that guy that we'd, we'd watch film and be like, yeah, we can get him on this backdoor play at out of a timeout. And then we'd get to the timeout and he dropped the backdoor play and we'd get it. And I'd just be like, yeah, you're kind of a wizard with this stuff, I guess. So I think he shaped me offensively. And then the other part that he really did was he, uh, he let me just suggest stuff and talk. And like, he never made me feel that like what I said was stupid, even though looking back now, I cringe at what I was suggesting. Like, I'm like, yeah, maybe I shouldn't have said that back then, but he never, ever made me feel like I should stop talking. So he had a huge impact. And then I would say the last person is probably my boss. Uh, my first full-time coaching job at St. Norbert College was Gary Gresh. Um, he took me on. I still had to finish my undergrad, but he brought me up there. And I worked for him for five years. We had a ton of success. And he is like what Coach Regal was to offense. Uh, Gary was to defense and just building like the defensive side, he was amazing. Like some of the stuff we did and just how he built culture. And we had such a good thing. We went to the NCAA tournament three times and it was a really good experience. So those are the guys that I think really shaped me as a young coach. And then I've had other coaches that I've worked for that, you know, it's, it's funny how you take things from each coach. Like when I was at Cornell college, I worked for Chad Murray and I was there for three years and he was so different than the other coaches I worked for. But like the, like the, the being able to talk with your players, the, the constant communication, the, his thing was being a great teammate. And we just strive to like, that was our biggest thing. Like I took a lot from him, but went up to St. Mary's. I've worked for two coaches, Jamison Rostovan and then uh, Joe Fano. And I've taken things, uh, you know, from Jamison, it was just running a program, being able to do things, how to recruit, like just so many little big picture things that he was unbelievable at. And then the last two years I've worked for Joe and Joe's really given me a lot of freedom to run our defense and, you know, just, he's a really good offensive mind, really good, like old school fundamental coach. And 
but he gives me a ton of freedom to do a lot of things, which I, which I appreciate. So you brought up St. Norbert. So I got to ask the question since, since this is done by system basketball, I started up the system basketball clinics. What do you think, uh, what did you think of Grinnell? Yeah. Um, the joke is that when Grinnell hits the road, so they're heading to St. Norbert to play you, that the fans are saying the circus is coming to town. <laughs> is that a true statement right there? 100% true. 100% <laughs> true. It, like the crowds we would get for those Grinnell games, that was when you had the photographers come in and those would always go. be the pictures you would send to recruits, be like, hey, look how full our gym is. And it's really because everyone wants to see some team score 150 points and, and so, stuff. But, yeah, it's crazy. What is it like to coach against? Awful. Um, <laughs> so, like, honestly, and I, I kind of – like, we talked a little bit about it before, but I had kind of an evolution of the system. Um, it was always very interesting to me and intriguing. And I guess like going back when I was in high school, I was trying to learn and I was on like message boards and stuff. And I, I was reading something about the system. And so like dumb Kyle, like emailing people, I didn't know where Grinnell was. And I emailed coach Arsenal like back in the day, like, Hey, like what is the system thing basically? And he sent me this long email. Yep. And then I, I think I exchanged a tape and I honestly just kind of forgot about that till now, but then I get to St. Norbert and we're going against it. And I'm like, uh, it's like, this isn't going to be that big of a deal. Yeah. They play kind of fast or whatever. And yep. then like that first game, it was like, I was just kind of like, Oh my gosh, this is totally different. And we had some unbelievable games. Like I think out of my coaching career, I bet you five or six of my favorite games were probably against Grinnell in some component, you know, whether it was at our place at like at Cornell or St. Norbert, or if it was at third place, um, just some really memorable games, but it was, it was awful to prepare for. You had to scrap everything you were doing. Uh, you had to try to figure out, you know, which guys. And, I mean, yeah. it, we played I'll, zone. We played man. We tried pressing. Like, it was – Probably it was the crazy. worst. Yeah. It probably is the worst if it's your second game of league that week and you only have, like, one day to prepare. Yeah. Well, like, we would have – we would call it, like, the Grinnell flu. is like – because, like, back then the Midwest Conference would play Friday, Saturday. So, if you played Grinnell Friday night, you're getting on the bus fri after Friday – and now you got to go play reg, you know, you know, like yeah. regular, like your normal type of system, uh, you know, at some other college. And it's just like you just your legs were done. You were just exhausted mentally. A lot of times so you would lose. You lose the second game. Yeah, or not play well. Like it was, and it happened to us in a conference tournament game. We beat Grinnell. It was a two-three game, and then the four seed ended up beating the one. So we're like, oh, like we're going back to the NCAA tournament, and like we shot yeah. like twenty-five percent. Did you do the? Eight guys versus five press break drills and stuff like that. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Because I had coach Coach A on uh, on one of them, and he like be like, I just love the coach that sat there who would tell us that he spent thirty minutes going eight on five. Like, yeah, yeah. No, we would go. We would do that. We, I mean, like you literally changed every little house about the program that week. What years did you coach against them? So I was up at St. Norbert. Uh, 2009 to and then I left Cornell in 16 so like like coach uh junior that Jack was, Taylor, was that the Jack Taylor years yeah so we played Jack um it's kind of funny because I got when Jack scored had the record uh or whatever his 100 point game was what I can't remember the number 138 Fox, 138 yeah sorry I should have known that but uh Fox Sports like the national came down and they wanted to interview my head coach and my head coach is like well Kyle's been in the league for five years. He knows more about them than anybody. So yeah. 
they pull us and it's like they're like they're one of the top reporters all these like movie cameras and it was just crazy and so like we're in a room and they're filming me like this guy's grilling me for like 40 minutes just asking me questions and then like they go to put the thing on tv and all they have on tv is like a literally like the one semi like not positive thing i said is the thing they put on there like a three second clip of me saying it was like a gimmick and i'm like that wasn't even in context how i wanted so i i felt bad but yeah like i like uh you had aaron yeah. Levin on. there you go Kyle. Uh, that's crazy <laughs> yeah so he he was he was so hard to stop but like it's like they just had guys like that all the time i mean it started back my first year was Rotberg, arsenal long and they were ridiculous and then he had Aaron Levin on, who I recruited, tried to recruit at St. Norbert, and we played against him, and he was really good. And then he just had other guys, and it's just like, where did they find these guys? And it was, it was such, it was, it was, as my time in the, the league went on, I really started to, like, appreciate And, like, when you think about it, like, they were totally ahead of the curve on everything. Ah, oh, yes, he was. And, and, like, like, at first I'm like, ah, like, I'm a traditionalist. This is the worst thing ever. And, like, I've even told Dave Jr., like, I was like, hey, like, like you guys do it totally different. Like, I respect how you guys do it because you guys do it the right way. You get your kids to play hard. And it's probably something that if I was ever, like, a high school coach or, like, just, mm -hmm. you know, I would do because I think I think it makes a lot of sense. And, That's, you know, like, the success I'm moving, that had, yeah, like, I'm moving to it. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, for a few reasons. Um, my participation went down a little bit. And I, I don't think kids want to just be on a team anymore. No. Um, so you'll, you'll, I don't know if you're seeing it when you're out recruiting, seeing a lot of like 10 man varsity teams and more, more like travel ball size, yeah. uh, high school teams instead of seeing your 15, 16 man rosters. And just tell me a little bit about Grinnell as an opposing coach, like their bench, like it's not artificial. It's not fake. How pumped up are those kids when they're, when they're not on the court? Like, what is their environment like as an opposing coach? Like, they're on the road, and they're, like, high-fiving, slapping. They're going crazy, right? Yeah, I mean, well, it's so funny because you'll look, and, like, they'll, some dude will hit a three, so you, you're, you get all mad, and you look down at the other end, and you're just hoping you can break the press, and all of a sudden you see, like, five dudes jumping over the bench, like hockey subs, like, ready to check in, and just like, well, here comes another wave. But like that, like that's the thing I respect the most. I think about what they do is like they get all those kids to buy in, and kids that would have not—I don't want to say no chance—but like they yeah, probably they wouldn't would never play at majority of schools. Yeah, but they become role guys, and they they buy into those roles. Like mm -hmm. the role definition there is huge, and they get them to play so hard and to how buy does into, a, Yeah. How does a five foot eleven kid that weighs like hundred and fifty five pounds score one hundred and thirty eight points? Yeah. Like, like, if you just looked at him on the eyeball, I mean, don't want to knock him because he's really good. Yeah. But if you ever seen the movie White Man Can't Jump, he, he, <laughs> he's, yeah. he's, Bill, he's Billy Hoyle. I mean, yeah. he's going to be probably, if you line the kids up, he's probably not going to be one of the first draft picks. So, um, but that's just ironic that we started a Twitter conversation and you're at St. Norbert. Uh, Starting September 14th, Kurt Gelsdorf and Mark Hart will be conducting a dribble drive motion offense instructional series. This series will teach you how to install and run the dribble drive motion from A to Z. For more information about this instructional series, check out the link in the podcast description. Make sure to look for the promo code to save $10 on the course. Um, so you're a big synergy guy. Um, 
what are you researching? What, 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 what are you popping in? What are you looking at? What are you deep diving on right now? So for me, when I started this off season, even before the pandemic, like one of the things I really wanted to dive into was ball screens. And um, I've had some really good mentors, some good people that I've been able to kind of talk to, but I really wanted to dive into ball screens and how to teach it. So that's been a big part of it. And then I'm just looking for, like, I'll look for certain things. Like I'm like, I'm a guy that'll look for a certain play type. And then like, let's say I want to look at the best team in NBA, G League, and then maybe like college, you know, like, Hey, like who are the best off screen teams? Okay. Well, what do they do? And you know, like, why are they the best? Is it just because, you know, they have Kyle Korver and we can't teach that? Well, we can't teach what he does. Like, but if if it's angles, if it's like reads, you know, like, I was watching the magic. They're one of the best ones. And like their off screen stuff, like is Terrence Ross. But one of the things he does really well coming off screens is he leaves early. So like, you know, he'll come down and he'll walk down. And then all of a sudden, like, we're like, you think he would stop and relax? Like he's going already. And that defender is stopping and he gets that step or two that he needs to be able to make that curl jumper. So yeah, I I did. Yeah. I did my first film breakdown kind of like to experiment it on YouTube the other day or not the other day about, probably about three weeks old now where since I got synergy and I did a study on, I think it was like 200 possessions of NBA players coming off screens. Yeah. Cause everybody's doing breakdowns on Damian Lillard, James Harden, um, all that, all that stuff. So mine, I did the top six guys in the NBA based off points per possession coming off, off screens. And kind of funny that you said Orlando Magic. Um, one of the top guys in the league is Evan Fournier. Yeah. Um, and majority of the guys that are doing it are not stars. They're role players that come off the bench. The, the, the one that I would say is a star that's pretty high on the points per possession was Devin Booker. Yeah. Um, but the guys were J.J. Redick. I mean, he's, he's – I guess he's a star – um, and he got star money back in the day. So um, it was Evan Fournier, JJ Redick, Joe Harris, um, guy that that reminds me of Kyle Korver, um, McDermott from Indiana. Oh yeah. And then who, who did who else was it? Sacramento Kings. Uh, Buddy Heald. Buddy, yeah. And those are those are guys. And and I just did a thing off Synergy. Do you do a lot of the digital DNA? Um, I haven't dived into that stuff. Um, I, I haven't. analytics stuff where you just, are you just uh, looking up like top offenses, top zone? Like yeah. I, I did like last night, I did a ball screen um, thing with okay. zones. So all I did was I took like the best teams versus zones last year in college. And then I started looking at if they were using ball screens. So I, I took some clips from, University of Oregon women, um, Florida men, Creighton. um, And it it amazed me, Kyle, that I did a stat that ball screens are effective against zones. Yeah, I believe it. When you hear zone defense, who do you think of? Like what team? Team playing it. Syracuse, Syracuse, right? So I went and looked up Syracuse on Synergy. And I, I clicked on zone defense, and then I clicked on how many team, uh, like, ball screen, ball handler. Okay. It was only done, like, 110 times. That's crazy. Against a team that runs it basically exclusively. Yeah. 
So I was wondering why teams aren't attacking Syracuse with the ball screen. That would make sense because I was looking at – They're real high. Yeah. That would make sense because I've looked at, like, uh, one of my things I've been doing is, like, derived offense where it includes, like, passes and, like, shots off a ball screen. Mm -hmm. And so, like, the best two – I think the best two teams against the ball screen by point per possession was Merrimack and on the men's side, Merrimack and Eastern Michigan. And it's, they were both run two, three zones. Yep. And I was like, they, and the, like their numbers were like, where everyone else was in like four or 500. Well, yeah, yeah. They were like 100 or two, maybe like half of it. The last three years in high school, I've pretty much gone exclusively to zone. Wow. And it's basically eliminated ball screens, which, yeah. which, wow. Um, surprises me because you want to talk a little zone offense. Um, Bobby Knight hates hates over dribbling, right? But if you ever listen to him, he says that's the one thing that you should be dribbling more in is when you play when you play against zones. You should be looking to penetrate. I believe that. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so um, you started up a website um, in the gaps, right? Yep. In the gaps dot com, and you got a, like a Friday newsletter coming out. Um, what's that all about? So when the pandemic hit, you know, I, I was, I've been toying around with this stuff for a long time. Just never did it. Like, um, I was reading a guy named David Perel. He's has literally nothing to do with sports. He's, but when he's one of the best Twitter followers out there in terms of like learning, uh, writing online, creating a brand, he's just, he's one of those guys that you just listen to and you get smarter. And he always talked about like one of the best ways to learn is to write. And one of the, you know, it's, it's also a great way to network. And there's a lot of other benefits to writing online. And that was kind of the final push. Him and a, a coaching friend of mine uh, from Wisconsin that I've known a long time where the, the guys are like, hey, just do this. Like, just jump into it. So when I started it, I wanted it to be a, not only something for me where I could like learn and really have some place to put my stuff. You know, I wanted to help other coaches and like, hey, this is what I'm looking at. You know, so like, we're going to look at, um, Northern Colorado using, using single tag. So that was a blog post early on, but yeah. I wanted it to be like something where other people could go in and read and watch video. And I'm really fortunate to have synergy and now I have a sports code and you know, like I, I'm like, I got to use these tools to help people. And in the same time, it helps me. Like not only do I learn and it, it helps me with that, but it also like, it's a great way for like people to know like, Hey, like this is how this guy thinks about basketball. And maybe he's not that dumb. Like maybe we should like see what else he knows. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, that's kind of why I started the website. And then the, the newsletter kind of came off like a, it's just something I wanted to do, just something fun. Uh, it's five play Friday. I send it out every Friday. It's five plays, yeah. four articles, three podcasts, two quotes, and like a video. Um, and then like the first All Friday right. every month. Yeah. Our it, round it, podcast will be on there on a Friday here soon. I love it. I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> um, and then like, like the first Friday of every month, I'll send out a, uh, I'll, I'll, put, I'll include a link to like the best plays I've watched while watching film all month. So it's usually like eight, nine minutes, but again, yeah. totally free. Just something I do. Like, I just like sharing and I kind of don't have a life outside basketball. So it like, it gives me something to do where I can like, Hey, like you might have a life and can't go through 20 podcasts to find four good ones. So here's like a couple good ones that I really like this week. Yeah. The, the biggest regret I had is I got into high school coaching young. Okay. Um, at like 19 or 20, uh, became a varsity head coach at age 25. Wow. Um, 
wasn't, I didn't get married till age, let's see, 30. And for, for me now to go college and be, become like a DBO or video coordinator and start at the bottom and work his way up, it, it wouldn't pay me enough money to support my family. Um, right. So I kind of kicked myself and admire you for doing it. At, you almost got it. That's why these, my thing with people is, is you can see people being coming a grad assistant and then working their way up majority of the time. And it's young, hungry people that are single. Um, they don't yeah, have 100%. much responsibilities yet. So yeah. that's the one regret I kind of have in the, in the coaching aspect of, of not getting up, up the ladder to coach college. Um, I mean, I think I could still do it or whatever if the time's right. Um, but got to do what you got to do to support your family nowadays. So yeah. um, tell me, tell me how you got to know coach Tipton. <laughs> so um, we were supposed to be every year. There's a, a co Liam Flynn, who's an Australian professional yeah. coach. He runs a uh, summer league tour and I went on it last year. Uh, you basically go to NBA summer league and you get, he sets up all these meetings. Like we've met with like assistant GMs all the way down to uh, like scouts and G league guys. And it's an awesome experience. And so uh, Brent was going to be on it with me this year. Cause I was going again and I just reached out to him over Twitter and just said, Hey man, saw you're on the list, you know, would love to talk. And, you know, like we just kind of exchanged some stuff. And then I find out he's like basically like a basketball, like genius, like just knows so much. And yeah. like, he's just a smart guy. And like, we've, we've had a really cool, like couple months, just talking a lot of hoops and like he, we text a lot or we get on, we get on zooms about every couple of weeks together and just like, Hey, what are you studying? What are you looking at? Like, what do you think about this? I saw this. Have you seen this? Yeah. And, uh, he's just an unbelievable guy, really good work ethic. Just, uh, he's going to be like, I, I always tell him like, whenever you get where you're going, just remember us little people. And if you want to hire me to be like your water boy to the team or whatever, like I'll take it. Cause <laughs> yeah. he's just one of those guys. He's just going to be like, you can tell he's, he knows what he's doing. He's super. Yeah, we need, me, you and him need to get in. Cause you know how I've been doing some of those film, like the yeah. film studies where we, we need to get him in since you're a ball screen guy and I'm starting to study it. Um, and we do a, we do a FIBA. We do a FIBA film room. I love it. I'd, I'd be totally down. Where, where I, the ones that I'm starting to do, that I'm trying to get more interactive, where, you, where it's almost like past the chalk, man, where, okay. hey, it's Kyle's turn. Kyle, Kyle, show us your play. Here's a diagram. Or, or throw it up on fast draw or, or have it pre-done. Right. Tell us about your play. Here's your video clips. Brent, what you got? Mark, right. what you got? Uh, Kurt Gelsdorf, whoever's, whoever's in the room, um, been trying to get, once you get over like 10 people, it becomes harder because I think people get more intimidated to share, um, yeah, for sure. or they're not comfortable. Maybe they're not confident in themselves to explain it or, or have the resources that we have to do it. Um, yeah. probably something like, probably something that's very so true. Tell me a little bit about sports code. What does it do that synergy doesn't? So Sports code is, I kind of, we have a, a senior, a rising senior. He wants to be a GA the next year. And so my thing with him is I'm trying to teach him some of the things, how to, what he's going to need. And so I kind of explained it to him, like sports code is the next level where synergy, I can pull the clips and let, let's say like I did a Dame Lillard ball screen, uh, yeah. every, basically every ball screen up until the bubble uh, that Dame Lillard was, that was a make. So it was either him or him making a pass or out of, they scored out. So 
Yeah. I went through Synergy and I pulled all the clips. There was like 600 clips, I think I did. Then I took those clips and I put them in a sports code. And what sports code allows you to do is it allows you to tag clips and organize, separate them. So like you, there's a, it's a label or a code. So a code is like its own line. So a code could be um, offense, defense, uh, baseline out of bounds, sideline out of bounds. Then like a label would be, so like labels for me were uh, with, with the Dane were like uh, uh, pick and roll, like, early three, uh, split, reject, you know, yeah, I, I, my code window for him was like, but basically then at the end, like once you get through all the video sports code allows you to put it into like a matrix and then you can pull clips out of that matrix and put it into an organizer. And then, so I shared it on Twitter a couple of times and you know, it's like 60 lines and like line one is, uh, it says like, uh, pick and roll passing. And then, so like I could, every clip that I marked as pick and roll passing, now I go through and it's like, okay, this was, a corner follow off a cut this was pocket pass this was and it just lets you organize things in such a way that you can do it and in guys, synergy. And you guys have that at st mary's uh i actually purchased it purchased it for myself in april i had been saving up oh, wow. for about a uh, year it's it's expensive it's probably i'm sure it um, sounds pretty pricey yeah, yeah. so like i sh uh, saved up for it and i finally pulled the trigger in late april and it's been a great investment it's been a lot of fun to learn is that a yearly subscription? Yeah, it used to be like a lifetime, but now it's a year. So it's okay. uh, I'm trying to figure out a way where I got to start saving it, saving it for next year. <laughs> got to make some more playbooks, man. I need to. Yeah, I got a couple. I got to get out. I got to like hit on these Robin Hood stocks. I got to sell some cards <laughs> or something. Like I got to, I got to get something here. So. Okay. Well, um, quarantine. Um, You've been on the Zoom tour probably. You've been watching some coaches. So so give me probably can't name just this. Tell me your top three guys that you that like if you like top three speakers that you've heard. Yeah, it's it's been such I mean, as cool as the experience can be with what we're going through in the last six months, seven months. Uh the Zoom thing has been an awesome thing. Uh yeah. I think the best ones I've heard, uh Mike Neighbors did one that he was like two hours. Like he was like, he brought a guitar out at one point. Like, <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, like he's just, he's amazing. I think he was really good. Uh, then I would say probably uh, Chris Dorsey, uh, yep. the division three coach down in uh, Louisiana. He did one on like his no huddle offense. Yep. And that one was, I'm just like, I even put a tweet out there. I'm like, Hey, like there's D one dudes, D two NBA guys. Oh, and yeah. This is one of the best ones I've ever seen. And then I would say like a third one that I really liked was probably uh, Ryan Pannone did one on uh, the Apple Jerusalem ball screen offense. And he's yeah one of the best chairs in the game. And just his, his detail and level of teaching was just like, it was one of those, like you had to watch multiple times or else it was just going to go over your head. That was one that he did personally, or he did it for virtual. I think he did it for virtual. I, it was kind of late later. Like it was like early summer, like June ish, I think. Yeah. So I got confused by who was running. I just like, okay, there's a link. I'll click it. And I just watched it. So yeah, I got, it got, I mean, I started mine up in late March, early April. And I've done recorded wise. I've probably done 50 something. Wow. Um, I mean, that's nothing. Cause those guys did that in a week, but so, but I've been doing them in the evenings. Um, and, my some of the two of the top that you said were my, uh, uh, Mike 
neighbors and, and Chris Dorsey. Uh, guy I really liked um, was Cody Toppert. Oh, his was he was he was honestly he was gonna be my fourth. That his was unbelievable too. Yeah. So I mean, those are those are some of the great ones I've heard. Um, is there going in? What is it like right now? Um, how are you guys communicating with your team? Are you able to communicate? What are the rules and regulations there right now? Yeah. So our guys moved in. Our first day of school was Monday. So our guys started moving in last Wednesday. Um, freshmen and then our returners came in over the weekend and usually it's such a fun time of the year with guys coming back and they're just kind of a a damper on the whole thing so uh we obviously have a group me that we have a, a group chat and then like we try to go out of our way to kind of see our guys walk around campus and like you know like just that kind of stuff we had a team meeting on monday you know that was more of like a official thing but we try like coach fano and myself are both pretty uh I would say we're both like very personable with our guys. Like when it's time to work, we're going to work. But like when we're not in the, you know, like the, the other 22 hours of the day, like and that we're not in practice or we're not coaching in a game, like we're going to have fun. We're kind of goofy. Um, and uh, like, so we just try to find our guys, whether it's up at lunch, whether it's, you know, them just walking to class or, you know, just having them come in your office and stop by. And it's been a lot harder. I mean, like all the, there's so many more regulations on us now and number of guys and how to do it. And, all these procedural parts and it's just, it's not a fun thing, but you know, just trying to keep that open line of communication with your guys as much as possible. And them just knowing that if they need anything, they can just call or text or FaceTime or however they want to communicate with us that week. That's the new thing. Like we're good with it. And you know, it's just good to have them on campus because we hadn't seen them in six months. Like it's, it was really hard. It was really hard. My new favorite questions to ask is you're an NBA GM and you could pick somebody, I'm gonna say 25 years or younger in the NBA to build your franchise around. And people, I remember I was with Brent uh, Tipton and I called out and I said, my guy would be Luka Doncic. And friends of mine started going, huh? It's all about Giannis and no, 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 no. And, and I don't look so silly anymore, I don't think. So um, who would be your guy? I think it has to be Luca. I don't, I don't. Is he going to become the face when LeBron steps down? I, I mean, he has to. Like, Who is his Zion? I, I don't know. I guess when I hear that question, like, it's got to be Luca or Zion in my head. Like, I think like. Uh, if not, Giannis isn't personable enough. Not, he's a player, but he's yeah, not. Yeah, and I just think, I don't know. I, I mean, Luca's special. Like, I. And I'll be fully like transparent. Like when he was coming over, like I was kind of a little bit of a hater. Like I got to go and clean up some tweets, I think, at some point. And uh, so I, I mean, like he, you just don't know. And like I got in trouble twice with with talking about foreign guys and trying to be sound smart during like a draft night. And one was Giannis, and one of my former players constantly reminds me of that tweet. Like he must have it saved in his phone because every year he'll send me this tweet, and it's like, dude, like I know, I know, and. Uh, and the other one was Luca, and it's just like, all right, so I made a, a rule that I'm never discussing a European prospect on draft night again. So, um, yeah, no, I think I think it has to be Luca. I mean, you just look at what he's doing, how he's doing it. Like, he's very, like – he reminds me of how, like, LeBron was when he came in, and he had those good teams where he could just pass the ball and he could score whenever, but he just made think, other guys so much better. Yeah, I, I think he shoots the ball a little bit better than LeBron. Um, yeah. I think it was Barkley on NBA TNT when he um, made the comparison 
this is scary comparison. If if this guy becomes this, he's gonna become an all-time great. Um, Says so a combination of magic and bird. Yeah, yeah. I I never saw those guys play live. I've seen video, but like, I mean. Okay. So yeah, that's he, my next yeah my next question usually is, and I only do it by guys I've seen. So I'm I'm 45. So my my range of basically basketball knowledge is probably 1980 okay. and on. So these are my five guys that I'm going to put on a court. And I don't think anyone beats them. Magic, Michael, LeBron, Larry, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Huh. Even with the new way the game's played. I'm, it doesn't matter. I'm taking those five guys. Be like, Magic and LeBron are just going to get it to Larry, Kareem, and Michael. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I don't I don't know if that team could be touched. Hmm. You got probably probably five of the smartest basketball players ever. You yeah. got I think if you go by well, in today's world Bird moves to power forward, probably. Yeah. Um and at their positions I don't think anyone won won more MVPs. Off the top of my head, I, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think you're right. Larry, I mean, well, LeBron's won three or four. Larry won, like, th I think three. Magic won, I think, three. Kareem won, I think, five or six. And same thing with Jordan. Yeah. That'd be a tough squad. I don't know. Like, I'm trying to even think in my head. who would, like. So I'm I know what some people say he put out, like, Steph Curry, KD. Durant would have been in mine for sure. I, I think Kawhi Leonard. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I can make an answer. Like, I, I know KD would be in mine. I my my era is about. I'm gonna be 35 in a couple months. So most, my people put, most people, a lot of people, take out my guy. They take out LeBron and put in Kobe. Interesting. I. But I don't see Kobe and and Jordan coexisting on a court. No, there'd be. You need like a last dance, like special edition to get all the back behind the stage or behind the scenes stuff with those two guys. But it'd be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I mean, you've probably seen that YouTube video, right? Where they have the biting of the shirt and the fall yeah. away, the, yeah. exact mannerisms. It's like yeah, unreal. It's, whoever it's whoever, whoever put that together. Um, yeah, it's so cool. Um, coaching profession. Who's your Mount Rushmore of coaches? Ooh. It, it could be the NBA, it could be high school, it could be college. Who are, your, who are your top four guys that you would, like, love to bite? Kyle's in the room. Kyle's sitting down for dinner, and you can have four guys in there with him. Okay. I would say Brad Stevens. Okay. Like, he's easy. I would say – then after him, I would say probably – I gotta think of Quinn Snyder. Those are, those are the two. Like Quinn Snyder is probably number one. Then Brad Stevens, and then I would probably say after those two, I'd go. Uh, Etor Messina, I think that dude's just one of the smartest guys around. And we'll go a college guy. Uh, we'll go. I, I'm torn between like Steve Donahue and Chris Beard. 
I feel like Chris Beard would be kind of like a fun guy to have around in that situation. But I think I'd go like probably. a guy you could drink a beer with or what? Yeah. No, you know what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Multiple probably. Um, I, I would actually, my, my fourth would probably be uh, Beeline. I, like that would be that would be my fourth. Like those other two guys would be in the running if it was current coaches. But I'd have to go Beeline. Like he's, he's unbelievable. Mine is, is Bob Hurley. Yeah. From St. Anthony's. Yep. Not, not Bobby Hurley, Bob Hurley. Um, Popovich. Yeah. Uh, Coach K. And the last one's tough. It's either probably John Wooden. Yeah, I don't know. I. I was going more for the current, but yeah, I can't really argue with that. Bobby no, no, Hurley, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, Bobby Hurley is one of the best ones I've ever seen, or Bob Hurley is one of the best I've ever seen speak at a clinic. He was amazing. He was so, a great clinician. Yeah. Yeah, he was unbelievable. My all-time favorite though is um, heard him speak twice. Hubie Brown. I've never heard him. Oh God, he's hilarious. I believe it. Gets on the floor and he's talking about listening to the neighbors below him um <laughs> tv shows because they were so poor they didn't have tv and he was or no the radio station so he was <laughs> he was less I, I don't know if he's making the crap up but it was it, it, it was good stuff uh, that's a good that's a good line i like that another really good one um clinician that i heard was um rick majerus i heard majerus once too he's unbelievable he was yeah so good How so funny my favorite Majerus story for you is I was at the Bodden Clinic in Las Vegas. You know those old projectors that you put like the plastic film on? Yep. And you write on and you like put, you put them over the sheet of paper. Yep. So, so Majerus takes out a marker pen, like a white whiteboard marker, just writes straight on the, straight on the glass. <laughs> then he takes the plastic film and puts it on it and he's like, why is it still up there? He, <laughs> he, hawk, he hawks a loogie right on the glass screen, takes his white shirt out. <laughs> oh, my God. That sounds and, about right. That's yeah, awesome. It, 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 uh, told his Utah pizza stories and <laughs> um, great, great basketball mind. Uh, unfortunately, he's not with us. So Yeah, so sad. Um, so, Coach... Where can people reach out to you about your In the Gaps and reach out to you about your newsletter? How, how, how can they get in touch with you about that? Yeah, so uh, inthegaps.com is where my website and then my newsletter sign up right there. Um, okay. Otherwise, just find me on Twitter. Uh, it's at Coach Kyle Brown. Uh, my pinned tweet is a sign up for my newsletter. In the, the In the Gaps website has all the has all my blog posts and then uh, I'm pretty active on my Twitter. So, you know, I, you know, direct message or whatever. And then, um, you know, those are, those are the easiest ways. Like I could give out like my emails on my website. Like I, I, it's totally cool. If anyone ever wants I'll to, know. I'll put them in the podcast description too. Perfect. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah. Like um, that, that's the easiest way to find me. And then just, you know, I'm always open. So I like, don't feel like, there's, a, there's literally nothing with me to be like an R about. So just if you want to talk hoops, just reach out, send an email, send a, a message, and I, I'm always down. So so a newsletter drops every Friday? Every Friday morning, usually about 8 a.m. Central Standard. Uh, and then uh, 
it's been a good it's been a good project i've gotten really good feedback on it and it's uh really quick really easy and the best part is it's free so you don't have to pay any right. if if our listeners are a hoop nerd like me i consider myself a hoop nerd you're probably you probably consider yourself one too um he has right now on in the gaps he has a great little breakdown of the eerie is it the bayhawks bayhawks yep i mean it's just He's, he's doing G League, man. So if you're doing G League, you got to be a hoop nerd. Yeah. It's a fun level to watch. Like it's- I have I have uh, seven minutes from me. I have Agua Caliente. Oh, the, seriously? The Ontario, uh, the Clippers team. Yep. So they play right over here in the Toyota Arena. Yeah. They play in an insane facility for a G League team. It's so cool. Like on film, it's one of the better ones to watch a game on. It's sad to watch it because the place fills, has like 8,000 seats. Yeah. And you'll have like 100 people there. That's tough. Yeah. So, so Coach, I want to thank you. Wish you luck. Uh, You're a great follower on Twitter. You've got a great little website going. And want to wish you stay safe, stay healthy, and good luck to your guys' program there. And keep doing great things at the D3 level. Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. It was a great conversation. You're doing really, really good work with your your website and your your podcasts. They're fun listen, and um, I'm glad I didn't. You know, I'm glad I could offer a different perspective to the system. You know, I think uh, I think it's really interesting listening to system coaches talk, and you've kind of branched it out to even more than that. But it's a really yep. fun uh, podcast to follow. Yeah, that's why I've named it the Baskopedia, the Encyclopedia of Basketball right there. So, um, again, Coach, thanks. You have a great one, and we'll talk soon, man. Yep, thank you so much. All right. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Baskopedia Podcast with Kyle Brown. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at System Basketball to get all of our great content, such as our podcast and our film breakdowns.